everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 120th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn, coming to you live from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week we have Tim Siegel, head groundskeeper for the Kannapolis Cannonballers, single-A affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to the older episodes. Uh, There's something back there for everyone, so many great guests with awesome stories back there. Uh, If you want to shout out, drop a rating and comment on anywhere that you listen to the show, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, whatever. That helps drive us up the charts a little bit um, and turns more people into listeners. So go ahead and do that for us. And uh, make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast at PullingTarpPod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the show, and that's where you can reach out about becoming a guest um, if there's any businesses out there looking for a unique sponsorship, that's where they can reach out as well. And if you really want to, you can follow me personally on Twitter at it's R A Coon. That's I T S R A C O O N. And we have merchandise, folks. You can now get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. Uh, go to the link tree in our Twitter bio or go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C dot com. With all that being said, let's chat with Tim Siegel. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Tim, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening. Uh, we're in the infancy stages of the off-season. I know you had a long, busy season, but um, how, how did the second season go with Kannapolis? Uh, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, of course. But yeah, season went pretty good. We got blessed with a very easy schedule so to speak this year we didn't have too many back-to-back homestands uh we only had one long one which is uh nine games in 
a 10-day stretch. Okay. Um, other than that, we didn't have anything crazy. Uh, just, you know, the basic play games, have a couple events going on in between, and season kind of flew by this year. All right. That's good. That's good. Uh, so you're originally from Miami, and you work with the Marlins. What made you want to branch out and work with the Orioles? I, I live in Birdland now. Um, and then uh, and now you're with Kannapolis, obviously. So what made you want to branch out there? Yeah, so um, just kind of wanting to learn more than what was just with the Marlins. With the Marlins, I was just a game day guy. Okay. So I picked their brains as much as I could. Um, and then... I started there in 16, and then in 2017, a couple months before the All-Star game, my dad ended up passing, and I just had that point in my life where I was just like, okay, I got to figure something out. I'm sitting here in Miami. I'm in a, I call it a dead-end city. I'm not a big fan of the area down there. I was born and raised down there, and I just wanted to move on and get out because I knew I wasn't going anywhere. I either needed something to open up with the Marlins or something to happen down there, and it just wasn't going to. Uh, Being down there for... When did I leave? I was probably 25 or 26. Being down there for that long and seeing it and seeing other people's failures versus successes and whatnot, I just knew it wasn't the place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Orioles kind of opened up, and I talked to Chad down there in Miami and asked for a little bit of advice, and it just kind of fit together, and we went on our journey. That's awesome, man. Um so I know you kind of gave me some insight before we started chatting here, but how did you exactly get the job with the Marlins? Uh, yeah, so before my dad passed, I was on, my dad was a home inspector, so I went to okay. work with him quite a bit. Um, and while we were at his job one day, I saw that one of their old PA announcers had died. And I was trying to find some information on it. And coming across the information, I happened to stumble upon Chad's email. And I told my dad, I was like, hey, look, it's the head groundskeeper's email. He's like, well, why don't you give him an email and see if he has a job for you? And this is maybe a month before the All-Star break. And I emailed him. I I was working for – I was doing loss prevention, actually. I was working for Macy's at the time and had lost my job. And I emailed him. I was like, hey, I just lost my job, and it would be a dream come true to work on a baseball field. Do you have anything open? And – he wrote back at eight o'clock that night and said, yeah, sure. Come in on Monday for an interview and fill out an application. We'll go from there. And wow. the rest is just kind of history. He answered his email for me and made a dream come true. That's wild that that happened at the major league level too. Mm-hmm. I, I've explained it, you know, multiple times on this show that like, that's how I've gotten almost all of my jobs in baseball is just sending blind emails to people and yep. I was able to make a career out of it for eight years until mm-hmm. until I opted to to get out. But mm-hmm. but yeah, that's wild that that can even happen at the major league level. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gotten a job honestly by filling out an application. Yeah, um, I mean it started with the Marlins, and then obviously with the name that Chad has and how everybody's known him because he's been around for so long. Anything that comes up, I kind of just ask him or ask some other guys that I've come across in the industry and just say, hey, like. You know, do you know this person? Oh, yeah, go ahead and reach out, you know, yeah. and this is what it is. And you send them a direct email and then you go online and kind of fill out the application because you got all those filters and everything. So mm-hmm. I tell my guys all the time, just go directly to the source instead of trying to beat around the filters because you never know how the filters or anything like that set up. Yeah. And the baseball industry itself is 
so tight knit. Like chances are somebody you know knows somebody that that person knows. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's oh, such yeah. a small world. Um, so clear. I mean, I've worked with a number of fantastic, amazing groundskeepers, and I'm always interested because they're always there first out of the front office, and then they're always there last out of the front office too. So I'm always interested how they are able to balance being a husband and a dad with those long hours. How do you do it, man? <laughs> um, yeah, moved, took this job when my son was six months old and he took his first steps on the field actually, which wow. was a dream come true for me. Um, but it kind of comes down to I'm blessed in the fact that my wife works when I don't. Okay. So our schedule during the season, when we're in season, she'll work and or I'll work and she won't um, during those weeks. And then in the off weeks, it's vice versa. Okay. So we kind of just split it up that way. Um, and now that the season's over, she'll be working a little bit more, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. She's a photographer by trade, but as oh. she does that starting up, you know, she's got her hourly job and whatnot. So cool. it works out there. But the biggest thing that works out is her being from Venezuela and her whole family down there, or that was down there. They're up, most of them are up here now. She, um, She's been in baseball her whole life. So sure. her uncle manages, he's going, he's actually leaving in October to manage down there, uh, one right. of the Venezuelan teams. Okay. He's in the Marlins organization along with her cousin and we have longtime family friends that are in it. So she knows and understands she gets the it. business, so to speak. Yeah. And people will tell me all the time, like, how do you guys, or ask all the time, how do you guys do it? And it's like, it's, it's an understanding. Yeah. is what it comes down to. So, she, I mean, luckily she can be at the ballpark as much as I can be at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And my son loves being out there, obviously, as everybody sees on my Twitter account yeah. with the pictures and whatnot with him. Yeah. But it's just developing that understanding and knowing what it is. Um, luckily, I don't travel as much as her family does, so she sees me a lot more. Sure. Uh, but I'm just blessed that she grew up in it and totally knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that that certainly does help. Um, your Your son is a is a real cutie by the way he's gonna break some hearts i, I have a feeling Appreciate it. yeah my my wife and i are expecting our first in february and nice. and uh i was at a minor league baseball game i was on a business trip and um i was at the richmond flying squirrels game when she called me and told me that she had taken a pregnancy test and it was positive so oh, wow. yeah so so it's just baseball through and through man <laughs> um yeah so uh, did you did you know about the other duties as assigned aspect um we we always joke you know um other duties as assigned like just takes you everywhere and i know you were telling me like you asked to be in the mascot costume you asked to do all these other things man so um I, I guess, can you just explain some of those tasks that you've been given since you got in the minors? Yeah, so one of the big conceptions that you have that goes on with groundskeepers and whatnot is, you know, they are the quote-unquote mean ones on the field. You know, they can be the some miserable ones from time to time. Yeah. I mean, you know, they take care it's a, they take care of three acres worth of land and you've got it's $2 million out there to say the least on Mm -hmm. it, just to go out there. So obviously they're going to have some of those and they're there all the time. You know, no breaks, no vacations. Grass doesn't cut itself, so to speak. Um, 
But going into it, I kind of had the thing of wanting to change that. That was one of the things I talked to some of my mentors about Mm -hmm. was how is minor league baseball? And they told me, they said, be prepared to do stuff you never thought you would do. Right. And one of the things growing up watching the Marlins is I would always watch inside the Marlins and inside the Rays and how they did their behind the scenes things. And I would look at how they did cameras, how the clubbies worked and everything, just to kind of expand my knowledge because I knew I wanted to be in baseball. I just didn't know where. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of just followed that. And when it came up and I finally got here with a new brand, new team, new everything going on here in Kannapolis that we're building, it's just like, yeah, it's like, you know, it'd be kind of fun to jump in that costume. I mean, I'm one of those that likes to go out and have fun and do it. And I figure what a better way to try to change some of the people's perspectives because we're a very young front office. Yeah. Change those perspectives or build those perspectives as we can do so much more and we're really not the bad guys if we just go out and kind of have fun. That's pretty much what I did. My thing there is it's fun. If you go in the home, um, the home dugout, you actually see a piece of duct tape in there written fun crew on it that I wrote as the joke with our manager that I put out there. Cause you just got to have fun. It's yeah. too long. It's too grueling. So, I mean, from jumping into boomer to running the cameras for our video girl, who's great. Wow. She's short staff. I'm like, Hey, I'll do it. Learn to do it. Why not? So try to learn as many aspects as I can. That's awesome, man. That's, yeah, that's not like most groundskeepers. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, so, So you were saying that you, you knew you wanted to be in baseball. You just didn't know where. And, uh, you had told me before, um, that you went to umpire school or at least started it twice. So why, why didn't that come to fruition? So I started umpire when I was 14 years old. I got in trouble in high school for not going to class on a testing day, and I just I didn't need to be there. I didn't want to be there. So it was go umpire for me or you're going to have indoor suspension and then you get in trouble with your baseball coach. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go umpire. And it kind of just worked out from there. Um, I was never a fan of school, don't like school. Just It just wasn't for yeah. me. Couldn't do it. So I saw that there was umpire school, and I was like, huh, this is interesting. So – I went twice. The first year I went, I was 18. Um, it's five weeks long in Daytona, okay. Be- uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. So I went out there, had the time of my life. I was able to get into college umpiring from there. Oh, um, wow. Did some fill-ins for like some indie ball leagues. I would practice from around and do some scrimmages and stuff. Okay. Um, and it didn't work out. Kind of learned the system a little bit. So I was like, all right, I'm going to wait a year and then go back. So I went back when I was 20. Um, unfortunately, they they added a third school at the time. There's now two. It was two when I went. Then they added a third, and now it's back down to two. And they just they they cut the the amount of play people they were taking. Okay. So it was originally 25, and it went down to 15 that were taking from oh, each school. Okay. So unfortunately, I didn't make that um, cut. So I was on the reserve list, and then I just didn't get called. The season ended. Um, things just didn't work out. And I didn't get called for it, but I continued to do college ball and whatnot. And it was just a way of staying around the game. Sure. Um, I, I just like being on the field around players. I like the competition aspect and umpiring is, it's a ton of fun if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, I don't know. I feel like I would have too much pressure on me to do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, you can get that, especially depending on what level you're at. So, I mean, just at the Little League level, it's always fun listening to the parents behind you thinking that they know more. That's for sure. Yeah. I've seen that before. Um, so, I'm a dog person. Um, how how spoiled is Doobie on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, 
with me, it's probably a three with the players, coaches, and staff, and the fans that come to the ballpark to say hi to them. It's probably a 30. Okay. <laughs> everybody, everybody comes out because we are a public park, so people yeah. can come and walk around, and they come out all the time. And where's Doobie at? Can you bring him up here so our dogs can play? Yeah. He's he's nonstop up there. He loves going to the ballpark. He knows once we get over the train tracks where we are, and he darts into the office as soon as he can. That's awesome. Um, yeah, my my dog. I picked him up from doggy daycare about two hours ago, so that's how spoiled he is. Um, <laughs> But so so I was looking at your uh, social media and it looks like you adopted Doobie when you got to Kannapolis, right? Yeah, so my wife is really allergic to to life, I like to say. Okay. Um, anything and everything bothers her. Okay. Um, as far as that goes, season changes and all that. Luckily Doobie hasn't been too much of a problem for her. Um but he was there and on opening weekend actually. It was the first bark of the park of the season and he okay. was there and I'm saw him and I liked his colors and whatnot and I liked playing with him and uh, my son Otto was over there at the cage kind of poking at him a little bit so I was like yeah we got to get this dog and obviously she said no right away right. I was like well we made a deal if we buy a house we or we have to buy a house first and have a yard for him to run in and I have to have my own field okay. I got my own field um last year and then back in this past December I was able to put, uh, put a purchase on a house okay so we have a half acre of lamb plus three acres at the field and i'm like we're we're getting a dog yeah so had to do a little bit of sneaking around and get to her mom um and tell her mom like she doesn't want to get the dog what can we do here and her mom (laughs) put her on the guilt trip and three days later (laughs) i'm going to pick him up (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i'm sure your son loves him too uh it's it's an interesting relationship between those two my son likes to eat the dog food and the dog likes to eat his food so i mean (laughs) Okay. <laughs> it's always, it's always fun. I open up uh, Doobie's treats and my son comes running in too trying to get a treat as well. I'm like, ah, this is dog food, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because Bo has been the quote-unquote only child for 5 years and uh I think I think he'll he'll be okay. He loves babies, but they're always babies that that go home, you know. Yeah. This one's going to stay. So it it should be an interesting concept for sure. It'll be fu- it'll be fun. It'll be a fun learning experience. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is an event that I have never seen before at a baseball stadium. Um, but again, saw it saw it on your social media. What was it like hosting the AKC fastest dog competition? That looked really cool, by the way. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I've done a lot of events in my career. I've been a part of a lot, worked a lot, set up a lot. Uh, this is one that I have not done. Now, setups and everything like that, you know, kind of come down to be all the same thing. Just they're unique to their own uh, their their own event. So we definitely learned a lot from it, but it, it was pretty cool. It was interesting. Um, just the details in dogs that you never would have understood so if you watch some of the videos on it they have a turf pad that goes um that butts up to the edge of the grass there Mm -hmm. and they were very picky about it i'm like but the dogs are just running like it's a dog running how bad could it be and then they started going into a little more detail when you ask and they're like yeah we don't want a dog to trip and um you know breaking a toe or stubbing their leg whatever whatever the case is for the dogs you know kind of like humans but you're not thinking that because they're a dog right um and the crazy part about filming it is they film it a couple of days before the actual release of it. Uh, okay. So, yeah, so it was filmed a couple of days before the release of it because it's not on the primetime ESPN. It's, uh, it goes on ESPN Plus and then it gets put out later on at ABC and whatnot. Um, 
and we actually had to stop filming for a little while because the church bells behind the stadium went off and any of those sounds can distract the dogs yeah so you have to be in certain spots for the dogs they have to have certain sounds not there they're all wearing certain colors so the dogs know where to run and it was very interesting. You definitely learn a lot um, of different things that you don't know. And that's the great thing about special events. As much as it's extra work for us, there's a lot that you learn that you never would have thought from the other side. Okay. Yeah, that is that is pretty interesting. Wow. Never never would have thought so much went into that. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. Um, you really see a different side of the players. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you're the pretty much the only person that gets to interact with them on a daily basis while they're warming up during BP in between innings, all that kind of stuff. What's been your favorite part about that this past season? Oh, since we're low A, it's the young guys coming up. So it's kind of funny to see them coming up and having no clue so to speak of being on their own mm-hmm. a lot of them come out you know, they're coming from college where they had a lot of stuff being done for them at college um so you see a lot of that stuff and it's like you guys didn't know about this or how to do this and they're like no it's like my god you guys are young i mean yeah. just bringing up some of the things it's like they're young you know you bring up some old baseball players names and they they look at you like who's that right how did, how did that go and I mean, we had one player this year, he didn't even know strawberry jelly was a thing. He thought there was only grape jelly. I was, <laughs> I was like, wait till you come up with apple butter. I mean, then you get into a whole another world. But they just don't know. So it's kind of cool in that aspect because then, you know, I see a little bit of myself and coming in and being yeah. a little naive thinking nobody can touch me. Yeah. Um, and then the other cool thing about it is being able to relate with my wife being an immigrant from Venezuela and uh-huh. catching the other international players and knowing what they go through, yeah. you know, knowing that a lot of these guys probably haven't seen their families in a couple of years and they may never see them again because they can't go back right. or what the case is. So you kind of just try to build it from there. I kind of just make it where it's not baseball for them yeah. and just have different conversations. I mean, it's always going to relate back to baseball. That's where we are, but kind of just opens that up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we, we had a guy on the shorebirds for a couple years. Great player actually it ended up making it to triple a and and all that and um he was from venezuela as well um and i remember i think it was his first home run of the season he hit a walk off two run bomb it wasn't until like in the middle of the season but um but yeah he was just a great guy but the orioles told him like he could not go home in the off season um and so he ended up marrying a local girl here um, and I think I think he coaches travel ball teams and that kind of thing now um, because his English was always really good. But but yeah, the Orioles said no, you're not you're not going back home this off season, man. Like and it, no. that was for a couple years. So. Yeah, it, it's it's rough for that. A lot of people don't know or understand how it is. I mean, I go through it firsthand with my wife and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've never met her parents face to face. It's all been through a cell phone screen. Oh wow! Because they're they're still in Venezuela. Yeah. So it's it's hard on that aspect, knowing that you know she can't go back because her Venezuelan passport expired, and you have all those complications with mm-hmm. the different things that people don't see. You know, and then you try to explain with fans and whatnot and they get mad that somebody's not signing or why are they having this bad day it's like you guys don't totally know what's happening on that end and we can't say a whole lot i mean it's not our place to say and on top of that there's things that just can't be said and it's like okay 
you know, you guys got to take a step back for a minute. Remember these are kids. Remember where they're coming yeah. from. Remember how it is. Like, they only have one shot at this. Yep. Yep. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Mo pattern, and what's the best one you think you've ever done? I learned real quick in my career to be very basic. Okay. Um, reason for that is in Miami before they went to turf, because I was there when they were all grass. Mm-hmm. We had a play. This was back when Ichiro was there and Yelich and Stan and Ozuna and all those guys. Ramuto throws the ball down for a steal. It gets by the second baseman um, covering the bag, and it gets underneath Christian Yelich's glove in center field. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, great, you know, that, that sucks, whatever, it happens, it's baseball. And then we hear the commentators mention something about the Mo pattern. I think Ichiro had gotten put into the lineup last minute. Okay. And when he plays, he – this is how good the guy is. He has a science down to how he likes the field. And most players prefer straight lines coming from where they are in the outfield. So okay. if you're on the first base side, um, right field, they want it to be home to first, where you go from first base down to the outfield yeah. on straight lines. Same thing at second, same thing at, um, in left for depth perception. It okay. helps them get online when they come up with their peripherals on how to throw. And we didn't have that pattern in. Okay. Because um, he had just gotten put in. I, I don't remember what he had in. I think it was just a basic home to second. And we had to change that out um, after that game. Oh, wow. Right away because phone calls started going. You know, as soon as something said over the commentary, you know, you start getting the phone calls and the text messages real quick to say, hey, what's going on with this? Yeah. And it got changed. So I'm, I'm very basic. Um, I think for opening day this year, I did the home to third, home to first, and then the home to second in the middle of it. Okay. Um, but one of my favorite ones that a lot of the college guys out there do is um, they do the they'll do the arc where they'll follow the back arc. Oh where yeah. It's kind of called Parks and Rec, and then they go down to the end and they reverse it. Okay. So you get a really cool diamond setting in there. Yeah. Um, that's really unique. It just it takes a while, and okay. if you don't have the time to do it. It just, I mean, you're talking almost four hours to burn in a pattern when you want to get it right and right. then having to do your regular stuff. So I'm very basic when it comes to it. Um, I like doing diamonds on the infield just because I have a little more time to work on the infield. Uh, but that's kind of it. I just stay as basic as I can. Okay. Do you do any of like, you know, like the paintings like on the on the field? Like do you, like you shake up the logo for like 4th of July, you know, red, white, and blue, anything <laughs> like that? Yeah, so this year behind home plate, we had uh, ballers behind home plate because we are the cannonballers. So yep. I put ballers behind the home plate for the whole season. That was blue uh, blue letters with a white outline. And then for 4th of July, I actually painted the flag going around the ring. Um, oh, I painted cool. the blue, and I put white stars in there with the red and white stripes going around the, nice. the ring of home plate. Um, I've got a stencil to do stars in the batter's boxes. Okay. Uh, some of the past events that we've done, I've put stars in the batter's boxes That's for 9-11 cool. this year. I painted 9-11, we'll never forget. So go. some of the basic stuff that you know a lot of other guys do, it's just you know our way of doing it, our personality of how we want to do it. Right, right. That's, that's sick, man.
At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. Uh, what's the craziest situation that's happened during a game that you've had to help with? Uh, I mean, for me personally, it was we had two bases break this year. Um, we went to the oh new gosh. 18-inch bases. We had two yeah. of them break this year. And the day after one of them broke, they asked me to race the Wonder because we do kind of like beat the freeze in Atlanta. We do a beat the Wonder, which is the local high school. They get a track starter coming in oh, okay. and, and race. And everybody was telling me how fast I was because I saw it. I saw the base break. I watched it live. I jumped down in there, saw what it was, sprinted to the back, grabbed another one, came back and swapped it out. So we only had about a 20 second delay, maybe 30 second delay. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, try to keep it as minimal as possible so pitchers don't have to wait around. Okay. Especially if it's our guys on the mound. Right. Um, and then the next day they asked me to race the wonders. So I had to do all that. And that was a that was a crazy week altogether <laughs> of work. And so- I beat them. And I, beat I was him. gonna say, did you beat him? Okay. <laughs> I did. They do give you a head start. We did have a head start. On, okay. But I was also on. We had back to back camp days that day in the morning, and then we had the junior home run derby for major league baseball there that morning. So the whole week, I was I was probably on 170 hours going into that into yeah. that day alone. Right. And that was only I want to say that was what Friday. So it was it was a lot of hours already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did beat him. I beat him because his shoe fell off, but I'll take the win anyway. I can get it. <laughs> of course, of course. You got to take that W, man. Uh, so with your with your crew, I, I can imagine you get some people calling out here and there maybe. What's the worst excuse that a game day staff member has used to call out of work? So before I answer that, to my guys' defense, I have all high school kids. Okay. I have two college kids that can um, – that come in basically, but that's it. I have all high school kids. They're barely old enough to get into an R rated movie. Yeah. Um, so I don't get too many call outs per se, but when I ask them what their availability is or if they can work and pick up a shift, the craziest one that I got was I had to, I can't come in because I have to take care of my two chihuahuas at home. <laughs> I guess his parents were out of town or something and he said he had to take care of the dogs. I was like, okay, no, that's, so be it. Yeah, man. That's why that's wild. Um are there any tarp pools that stand out to you that that you can share? This is this is the pulling tarp podcast. <laughs> um so anybody that doesn't know about our tarp in Canapolis, it's all the way down on the right field line. Okay. So we actually have a cutout on the wall and when I tell you it touches the foul pool, I can put my hand on the tarp and touch the foul pole at the same time. Oh, wow. That's that's how far down we are. Okay. So in my two years there now, we have not had a rainout at all. We've had no rainouts and we've had I one saw suspension. That. Wow. Yeah. Bravo and to you. Had... Man. <laughs> yes. Thank you to the front office for always being there. Yeah. Can't do it without those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had one suspension this year and that suspension was in the fourth inning due to 
the tarp actually getting stuck. So this was our oh. first in-game tarp pull since I have been there. Okay. We're, our stadium's in a bubble, so they're, we I watch storms get over the pitcher's mound and break apart. Yeah. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Wow. And we started to get it out. They When they finally called it, we never got the warning. So normally when you're reading radar, you see the green, and you're like, okay, here's the warning sign. All right, it's picking up. This is the yellow time to go. Mm-hmm. We never got that. This, the radar showed the storm had passed us, and that's what I showed the umpire. And I was like, we're going to be on standby, but it looks like it's past us. Right. And I kid you not, two pitches later, the storm comes down and it just opens up. And as we're rolling it out, I'm looking at my GM and I'm like, we're not getting this out. There's no way. He's looking at me. I'm looking at our social media girl next to us. And I was like, in all your years of baseball, you're ready to get stuck. And she's like, what? I was like, we're not getting this on the field. And I can feel that. I'm just feeling it. And we got to second base and that was all she wrote. There was, Uh... it just wasn't coming on been and there yeah that's shout right. out to the staff i mean they were tugging and pulling and doing everything they could but it just it is what it is it wasn't happening there's not much you can do at that point man yeah i've, I've been in some rough ones that you just get stuck and you gotta leave it there unfortunately yeah. all right man uh where can the listeners find you on social media uh if you find my twitter account it's Timmy, like from South Park, it's okay. T-I with three M's, A-Y, and the number eight. All right. Uh, that's kind of just where I'm at, everything else I use for personal, but all the f- the fun baseball stuff is on that account on Twitter, and I'm pretty active on it, so okay. you want to find me, that's where to find me. Yeah, I also found you on LinkedIn, too, if, if people are looking to... Yeah, reach I don't out use there. that one too much. Yeah. To be honest, I don't even know what that login is. I go on once at a blue moon on that one. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and then I know you've listened to a couple episodes. What has been your favorite walk-up song in, you know, since you've been working in the minors and whose was it? That one I've been thinking about for a minute and I just, I can't, I've never been good with music, with song names, music okay. artists and all that. I've never, I mean, I just listen to whatever Pandora puts on. Yeah. But I honestly, it, it's hard for me to pick one. I can't pick one because I've got some of the Spanish guys where I've got the ties from back home and yeah. I listen to theirs and it comes up and it reminds me of some stuff back home. And um, a lot of the Spanish guys, if you pay attention to theirs, actually have religious songs okay. that go with their country. So that's always a good tie-in. Um, and then you got some of the other guys that just go with the old school. Some of them will pop out with the clean version of you know Snoop Dogs or the Biggies yep. and whatnot from back in the day. And I, I really can't pick one. I'm I'm blessed that my team's very diverse and has a good set of them. Okay. Well, what would be your walk-up song, I guess? Mm. That's a hard one, but to be honest, and this one will probably crack up a lot of laughs, my video girl always puts on Barbie Girl for me when I water the field (laughs) because back in high school, that was one of the things that that, that we joked around with when we had walk-up songs. We'd change players up, and obviously that was one of them, and... Every time so they complain about music or want music and say, can you put this song on? I always tell them, I put on Barbie Girl. So it's kind of become a thing that when everybody hears that in the stadium, they all look for me and look for the fist pump. Okay. So I'll probably just go with that and stick with it and let everybody judge for themselves. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, not not a bad song. It's, it's slept on, I think. It, it can pump you up. It's, it's just funny. Yeah. It just, it just makes the laugh come through with the jokes and whatnot that go through with it nice nice 
All right, Tim. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening um, after a long season to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Let's stay in touch. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast.